Why don't we stand to our feet and welcome Rachel as she comes to bring the word. We're just going to honour her. Come on. Woo! Thank you. See you. <laughs> All right, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for a realm of encounter. Holy Spirit, that what you want to say will be caught. I thank you, Lord, for the realm of your heart in this room. I thank you, Lord, that we come into agreement. We say the same thing as your heart. So, Lord, would you open our ears, our eyes, and our heart to understand <laughs> what it is you're saying. You are welcome to listen to this entire message with your eyes closed, going in and out of realms. It doesn't bother me at all. Please stay exactly where you are. Don't leave that place because the Holy Spirit has to say something through that realm of encounter and that realm of the heart. So if you continue to engage from that place, you'll get the depth of everything he's saying that words can't say. And what the Lord um, has given me to speak about at the moment is the spirit and the bride say come. And it's the place of unity and it's the place of intimacy with the Lord, that single mindedness and single heart place with the Lord and coming into agreement with him in that place so that when we speak we speak of the substance of his heart not just what he's saying but the intent of his heart and everything that he wants to embrace and everything that he wants to impart and last Tuesday Daryl was speaking on on our words saying what we mean meaning what we say and that really like flows into everything that the Lord's been speaking to me about the heart realm. You have to forgive my voice. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the Lord's been speaking to me about outpouring unto transformation. That there has to be an outworking and a transformation that we see where the, the heart of the bride aligns with the spirit of the Lord in every region and in every mountain of influence, where we start to declare with clarity because we know him, we intimately know him. So we start to say with clarity what he's saying, the now word of the Lord. And he started to speak to me about this in the Hebrides. And the only way I remember how to spell Hebrides is he brides. And he, he started um, this journey with me a number of years ago. We were doing some court sessions here around what are the prophetic words of the Lord over this nation, especially as we were coming into that COVID season and we, we really wanted to lay hold of what he was saying around South Australia. We started to unpack all of the um, prophetic words that had been spoken over the nation, spoken over the state. And one of the words, obviously this is the great south land of the Holy Spirit, actually came out of New Hebrides. And the Lord started to speak to me that the conditions of fulfilling the word of this is the great south land of the Holy Spirit is actually to come into a place where we understand the he and the bride and that they come together. And so he started to speak that it's the, the place of intimacy where the Lord calls us to be one with him is the condition or are the conditions for outpouring. Outpouring comes when we actually align our heart with his heart such that 
we understand that he has already poured out everything he is going to pour out. And what he's asking of us is that we position ourselves to pour ourselves out for the nations, that we pour ourselves out for our community, that we pour ourselves out. And the only way that we can do that with genuine integrity and knowing and, and submission and consecration is that we know and we love his heart. And so it's coming into a place of he and the bride coming together, speaking the same thing. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And the spirit and the bride say, come to the nations. The spirit and the bride say, come. Those who are thirsty, come and drink for free. But it, we have to actually believe it. We actually have to come to a place of intimate knowledge of him, that we desire the heart of the Lord, that we desire what he desires so that when we speak, it has substance and it fulfills and it pours out the very substance of the heart of the Father. He reminded me again when we were in um, Hebrides of this, this word, the he and the brides, and that the voice or the conditions of outpouring are the conditions of intimacy, and they correlate where there's a correlation, there's a unity between the heart voice of the spirit, which is the substance, and the heart voice of the bride, which includes intent not that we would just seek his heart but that we would seek it such that it so consumed us that we desired to fulfill it that we go that extra step further your will be done and that it is a, a heart desire of ours to do so so the lord started to speak again on the, the sons of ishkar which i speak on regularly and over and over that we are to understand the times we are to understand the seasons, that we speak the right solution in the right season to the right generation. Every generation is predisposed to a particular voice of the Lord because they're called for a particular purpose. And if we keep speaking the, the sounds or the voices of previous generations and we don't recognize the time, the generation now does not resonate because it is waiting for a particular sound. It is waiting for a particular voice. It is waiting for something of clarity to get behind because it resonates with something in their spirit of what they're called to, what their generation is called to, the manifestation of the kingdom of God that they're called to bring into the earth. And they're waiting for us to listen long enough to get the sound of the spirit, the sound of the voice for that generation so they can get behind it. And so we need to wait long enough to hear the voice of the generation, the now voice. This is why it's that we need to understand times and seasons. We need to understand the shiftings and the movings of the Lord and go with that because he has a different sound, a different frequency in different generations and in different times and in different seasons. And we need to wait long enough and care long enough that we, or we pull in that very voice of the Lord and give it to this generation. So it's the knowing the seasons the knowing what to do, so waiting long enough for the solution, the how, and then being willing to give our yes to the Lord and do it and, and follow through. And this all has to come out of the heart of the bride. There is an intimacy and a heart condition that then produces this desire of the bride to pour herself out in response to all that he has already done. And this sets the stage for revival, for outpouring, and eventually transformation of an entire region that then goes down from generation to generation to generation, and it resounds. 
And this place of transformation is where, this is one of my favorite scriptures. If we can put up Psalm 27, verse eight. When the Lord says, seek my face, my heart leaps up and responds, your face will I seek. And that's the place of intimacy. That's the place of the bride. When he says, come seek my face, it is our desire to respond in kind and say, Lord, your face will I seek. Like our heart leaps up. It's not even a a thought. This is not a works program. My heart leaps up and says, your face will I seek. And then in Acts 13, 22, it's talking about David who understood the heart of the Lord. And it said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do my will. And so he was so desirous of the heart of the Lord, but it led to the doing of it. He pursued the heart of the Lord and then he pursued everything that it took in order to unpack and, and, and pour out exactly what the heart of the Lord was saying. And this is the place that he's asking us to come to. This is why the tabernacle of David is so important in this season to understand the times, to know what to do, and then to do it, to pour ourselves out. We have to to come to the place of intimate knowledge of the Lord, otherwise we just end up in a works program. We just end up doing because it's the right thing to do and it doesn't come out of a heart place. And if it doesn't come out of a heart place, we don't create the substance of the heart of the Father to actually manifest. We're just doing something, it's just information. It's just function without the power, without the heart. And it's the heart that will pull people in and transform them. It's the heart of the Lord, not the information. People don't care anymore about the things that we have to say if our heart doesn't carry the frequency of the truth of what we're talking about. They have to, they have to be in alignment. When we were in um, the Hebrides, there's a place where you could, it was such a thin place. It it was such a beautiful place of the Lord, but I I was so aware that even though it was a thin place and you could lean into the very presence of the Lord, if you don't lean in, there's nothing there. There was no body in the region except for one or two that were actually leaning in to the thin places of the Lord, leaning in to the presence of the Lord that was resident in, in the area. There was no manifest reality today that a revival had ever happened nothing you 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 couldn't you couldn't see it anywhere there was a a lack of joy there was so much grayness around it it, at the um police station where people had gathered you know to give their lives to the lord because of the awe of the or the spirit of the fear of the lord that had come on them they'd gathered in front nothing there was no indication that this had i was looking everywhere for a little plaque or something nothing you know, the, the house in which the sisters met and prayed in revival had been, like, it's gone, non-existent. The church in which they all met was now so super religious that I couldn't even wear trousers there. You'd have to wear a skirt. I'd have to wear a hat. Uh, <laughs> if I, no instruments. They buried the instruments all over the island. So there are bagpipes buried all over the island because it was understood 
that revival had come in on the songs, that revival had come in on the worship or had been maintained or facilitated by the worship. So they buried all of the instruments and all over the island, if you just lean in, you can hear the sounds of the earth crying out to release her songs. So it was a deliberate shutdown, a deliberate no to the Holy Spirit we don't want this. We are going to bury this. It was a deliberate, we won't have this. We don't want the messiness of revival. We don't want the messiness of the outpouring. We're just going to bury that all. And we, we choose the function or the form over the substance and the power. And it was deliberate. But if you lent into the spirit, if you lent in to the spirit of revival in that place, the way that I would describe the atmosphere there that had been carved out in the spirit through the revival would be lyrical. It carried this beautiful um, atmosphere of the spirit of wisdom, the, the songs and the poems and the books, the art and the dance. It, like you could just lean in and you could you could hear a symphony and you, you could hear poetry and you, you, could, you could see books and you could unpack color, like you could almost hear color somehow. And that was what was in the app, that's what had been carved out there. And I, if you went there to write a book, it would be so easy to lean into that place that had been carved out. It was so beautiful. And later we went to, later on in, in our trip, we went to Assisi which had carved out its own form of um, revival. And we went to sit in the church there and we sat in the pews for quite some time. And when you lean into the atmosphere, so again, we're sitting in this super religious church, very, very beautiful, but very religious, where there was, there was no embrace of the, the Holy Spirit, there was no embrace um, of revival or outpouring, but all you needed to do was just lean. And the moment that you, you lent into it, you could feel in the atmosphere. And for me, if I were to describe it, it, would, it felt like a callback to original design, a callback to creation. Like you could hear almost the sounds of creation. You could hear the vibration of the brooding of the Holy Spirit um, over things. I didn't get the gift of speaking to animals um, like St. Francis had, but, well, you know, I didn't try, to be honest. So maybe I did. But it, was, it, was, it felt like creation. It, it felt like the, the mystical um, place where the voice of the Lord hovers over the water and causes things to come forth. And there are two patron saints in, um, in Italy, St. Francis of Assisi and St. Catherine of Siena. So we went across to Siena. And it was different again. If you lent in, it was the spirit of government. So um, you may or may not know that St. Francis of Assisi was, was very much into the mystical. He, he spoke to creation, the elementals. He spoke um, to animals. He preached the, the word of God to them. Um, but St. Uh, Catherine of Siena was very instrumental in a lot of political negotiation between the Pope and the government and actually bringing peace into the region. And the Lord started to speak to us about actually that has a lot to do with the balance of what the Lord is calling us here to in, in, in revival. That is the mystical, that is creation, that is original design. 
That is the lyrical, the songs, Renaissance, and it is government and the political. So each point um, where we lent into uh, the, the, the outpouring or heaven itself that had been carved out uniquely in a place, the Lord started to relate back to here. And he said, you just pull on, pull on that. There's, there's a balance um, and an outpouring that is the mystical, that is creation, that is renaissance and the arts, and that is government and political, and they all go together and you just need to lean. And they all come from the same realm, and that is the spirit of wisdom, the realm of the spirit of the Lord, it's heaven. And we're actually called to pull on those things and lean in to those places. I had um, an encounter. So, so essentially, the, the, the Lord's asking for our yes. And I had an encounter in the Hebrides on the Sea of Glass. And the Sea of Glass is the trading floor before the throne room of heaven. And I had an encounter with the Sea of Glass just before I left Adelaide. And then I had it again in the Hebrides. And the Lord started to show me the substance of the yes, of like of every response of yes in somebody's heart. And he started to show me the impact or the response of every no. So where the Lord had, had poured out or given an invitation to somebody, the resounding echo throughout all generations of one yes or the resounding echo throughout all generations of one no. And that we, we, we don't necessarily understand the, the, that in the moment the impact looks so small of our yes or no, but there's this butterfly effect that goes down in generations of our yes, of our no, and it echoes throughout the sea of glass and it was resounding as a, an ongoing frequency. He showed me that the impact of every yes produces light and beauty and a runway for the favor and grace of the Lord into that place. And it do, just doesn't stop in that moment, but it's generational. Where somebody says, yes, and I'll pay the cost, it becomes a landing place for the favor and the grace of the Lord for generations. It goes through families, it allows the reflection of heaven to be made and manifest through them. It produces an atmosphere that's lighter. It causes an effervescence to be in the atmosphere and that's conducive to ascension. So when we actually give our yes to the Lord and we say, you know, I will pay the cost and, and I give you my yes, not only is it is it relevant to that issue that the Lord's giving us an invitation to, but it creates an atmosphere around us and an atmosphere within our community of effervescence, of lightness that allows other people to more easily come into a place of ascension and meet him. So we actually create an atmosphere around our lives that allow others to access heaven when we give the Lord our yes. And then I saw the impact of every no. And the impact of every no was to produce a shadow and a grayness. It watered down color. So it caused vibrant, like things to become less vibrant, less colorful, more gray. It produced a coldness and impacted the hearts of families and generations. And then it produced this atmosphere of heavy hopelessness 
and event, the eventual result of that, if there is a continuing no to the invitation of the Lord, is this heaviness and darkness and hardening of heart. And then what happens is that is reproduced around us in an atmosphere of hopelessness, which makes it harder for others in our sphere to ascend. And it actually brings them into a world of gray. And the Lord started to speak to me that these atmospheres in the Hebrides, both was available to lean into. There was a grayness there because of the, the ongoing no um, of the hearts of the people and the deliberate desire to shut down. Um, it wasn't just we couldn't be bothered. It was a deliberate attempt to shut down the very sounds of the Lord, um, the very nature of the sounds of the Lord in that place. But both atmospheres were available to lean into. Both atmospheres carried this lyrical, um, this lyrical place, this lyrical gifting. And it speaks about in Romans that for the gifts and callings of Lord are irrevocable and you could lean into either place. But depending on where you lent, the fruit produced was different. And you could hear some of the songs that had come out of the revival that brought this light and life and lifted, some of the poetry that came out of that time, but also you could hear the songs that were being released at, at, at this point of time and it carried this fragrance of, of hopelessness and sadness. Um, still very creative, still relatively beautiful to like to the ear, but to the heart it created like a realm um, of sadness and hopelessness. And the Lord just started to show me that wherever we stand, what, where, where we're standing, where we're functioning from, it produces fruit. And we have to remember that it is the heart of the Lord is the place that we need to be functioning from, not works. Because when we function from works or when we function from thinking that we're doing God a favor, it produces something of death. It produces people reaching for the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead of life. And when we function from the heart of the Father, even if we get the information wrong, or even if we stuff up the way that we're saying it, or we, we stuff up a worship service or whatever, but we are, we are speaking or singing or delivering from the heart of the Father, it produces life. And so we have to put aside this works program, this function, getting it right, and we have to come to a place of just being in the heart of the Lord, that our desire is to intimately know Him such that we produce the fruit of revival and outpouring, such that we come to a place where we desire to pour ourselves out for others. We don't pour ourselves out for others because it's a good idea, because then we burn out, because we've got nothing to offer from that place. And while we're praying for our friend in the Hebrides, we started to call the elementals, the earth and the, the waters and the skies to come and testify that there was somebody there who was willing to pay the cost. That there was somebody there who was willing to stand in the gate and say, yes, Lord, I'll pay the cost for that. And we started to call those things to testify to that. So we're still in a season where we're looking about like, how do we partner 
with coming into agreement with what is there and pouring back into that place. How do we do the same thing here? Because this isn't about um, another region per se, because the Lord's speaking to us here. How do we give our yes here? How do we turn back the sea of no <laughs> that has been sown into this land and return it to its original design, the great south land of the Holy Spirit? How do we come into agreement with that and say, yes, we'll pay the cost for that? And that actually looks like being the bride. It actually looks like intimate knowledge. And that costs something to lay down our own desires, our own will in order to fulfill his. The earth is crying out, and I can even hear it in this region, to release her songs. Will we listen for the songs of this region, this place to be released so that there's a resonance in this place to release or to this generation actually, to sing their songs over them so that they can come into an intimate knowledge of who he is. There are songs to be sung over this generation which their hearts will recognize and cause them to be called into the kingdom. We have to wait long enough to hear those songs. If we want outpouring, we have to speak the same thing that the Spirit is speaking. Revelation 22, I'll go straight to 17, and it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. And that word, come, and I don't want to unpack it too much, but it has such depth to it. It, it actually means come forth. It actually means to appear it means to come near or draw in or draw towards. And so there's this wooing of the spirit of the Lord together with the bride to speak over this generation, speak over this nation, come to the Lord, come into your appearing, come and draw near. And when we get the same frequency and the same sound and the same heart coming out of the spirit and the bride, we have outpouring. It's just that coming into alignment. So how do we come into a spirit of intimate knowledge? How do we come into a place of intimately knowing him? It says the awe of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the word know, knowledge there, is to know intimately. The moment that we separate knowledge from the spirit of the fear of the Lord, we're left with information. And that information comes from the wrong tree. This is where we need to circle back again. The Lord keeps speaking about the tabernacle of David, the restoration of the heart that leaps up to say, your face, Lord, will I seek. And in the seeking, I will do. And so he started to unpack for me, Isaiah 55, the whole chapter. It's okay, I won't read the whole thing. But I was staying in room 55 at the, at the time. The Lord highlighted that number to me and said, this is how you pursue intimate knowledge with me. 
So I'll look at verse three. It says, incline your ear and come near to me or draw near to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. And there's a place of drawing near, inclining our ear, drawing near to him and he makes a covenant with us. There's an offer, there's a betrothal, there's an, infam, uh, an invitation to come and be the bride. And behold, I made him a witness to the people, a leader and a commander of the peoples. And there's a place where when we're intimately, we intimately know the Lord, there's a restoration of that heart space that we actually can become part of the army of the Lord. In order to be a functional army, we actually have to have our hearts restored because otherwise the heart becomes the place of the attack. If the heart, if our hearts are hidden in the heart of the Lord, we can become a strong army. But our hearts actually need to be hidden in that place. Verse six, seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. And there's something of an invitation in this season that we cannot assume will always be there. It, it, it doesn't always remain the same. The doors are not always open in the same way. It is not always as easy in one season as it is in another. You know, so we need to seek the Lord while he is near in relation to the invitation that's being extended so that there's an ease on it and we're moving in the times and the seasons of the Lord. Verse eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways, says the Lord, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so there's a place in intimate knowledge where we actually have to surrender the lower thoughts. We have to surrender the lower ways, submit ourselves to the higher ways of the Lord, give ourselves over to his ways and his thoughts and not presume that our ways and our thoughts are, are the pathways of the Lord, but surrender those unto something greater, not my will, but your will be done, Lord, and surrender those things. And as a result of surrendering our ways, surrendering our thoughts, inclining our ears, seeking him while he is near, it says in verse 12, then you shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth in singing and all the trees of the fields shall clap their hands. Instead of a thorn shall come a cypress, and instead of a briar shall come the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And if we want transformation, not just a flash in the pan, but we want something that transforms our region for generation unto generation, then we need to intimately know the voice of the Lord, seek him while he is near, think his thoughts and walk out his heart. So even in all of this, he invites us to incline our ear, draw near to him, seek him in order that we start to say what he is saying in the, not just the same form, but in the same heart, for the same purpose, with the same motivation and with the same intent. We need to know what he is saying now so we can echo this. Our yes is significant. Our every small 
everyday yes is significant because it testifies of the worthiness of the lamb throughout all time and space and every dimension that he is worthy of our yes in every single decision every single thought and everything every single thing that we do and then that lends itself to the restoration of all things as set out in acts our no is significant because it lends itself to the um, extending of time or the delaying of times and laws as set out in Daniel. When we, give, when we say no or we give our yes to the enemy, we partner with him to the delay of times and seasons. When we give our yes to the Lord, we lend ourselves to the rebuilding and the restoration of all things so that he can return on that and all things can be restored unto him so the invitation is here that if we truly desire outpouring that we actually present ourselves to be poured out to be poured out for the nations to be poured out for our region to be poured out for this generation and the next generation and that we would be the bride that is unified with the spirit to be of one heart and mind with him and we do this by our yes and we do this by our praise and we do this by our adoration the surrender of our will to him there is an invitation for outpouring and that invitation is for us to accept the him asking us will you be my bride and in that we then transition all the way through the Song of Songs to taking dominion with him, speaking the same thing, ruling and reigning as one with him. So that's the invitation for tonight. Will you give him your yes? Will you say yes? To the invitation of the Lord to lay down your own thoughts and ways for his thoughts and ways so that you can become intimate with him knowing his heart so that you can replicate and reflect that into the world and i'm going to leave it there but let's take our communion and can we just have some pats on we just thank you for your sacrifice that you would lay down your life for us we thank you for the bridegroom that lays down his life for the bride we thank you for your body and we thank you for your blood and we thank you Lord that you laid down your life that we would build upon that your kingdom
Lord, we thank you for an encounter with your heart that would embrace our heart into that place, that we would intimately know you, that Lord, that when you call us to seek your face, that our heart leaps up and says, Lord, your face will I seek. Thank you, Lord, that you would lead us into a place where we would pour ourselves out for our pouring. That we would pour ourselves out for our pouring, Lord. You can just take your communion.